This is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Women Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Today is a fun and refreshing podcast because I interviewed four women who practiced karate in their collegiate years. And it's a refreshing perspective on how their karate shapes their lives, profession, and future. They're all very achievement-oriented and very devoted to their karate practice. Listen in and enjoy this refreshing perspective from these amazing collegiate karate women. This program is brought to you by adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Harry and Friends helps young minds grow stronger and empowers children through stories that inspire their imagination, develop their moral compass, set positive examples both visually and verbally, and prepare kids for life's challenges. I personally recommend this new children's book series. For more information, visit adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Join the club for up-to-date information and a free gift. Don't wait. Start your adventure today. Good morning. This is Andrea, the martial arts woman. Welcome to the martial arts woman podcast. Today I have four magnificent guests. I'm really excited to talk to. We have Andy, Gabby, Cameron, and Marissa. So welcome to the show, everyone. And I really appreciate your time. We had a few technical issues this morning, which always (laughs) seems to happen, but I'm so glad you all made it. (laughs) Um, so first, um, we're going to do a quick little round robin of why decided to train in martial arts while in college. A lot of people start when they're children or then we have adults, but the college years are a little bit different. So just let me know why you decided to train while in college. So we're going to start with you, Andy. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I started training at Penn State and... As someone who had transferred to that university, I came from a small liberal arts school in Texas of about 1,200 students. And then I arrived at this massive campus, 40,000 strong. And I was just like, yo, I got to find, <laughs> I got to find some way to make some connection, find some friends. And I was, you know, I dabbled with some other classes, with some other clubs, and it just wasn't fitting. So I had realized that when I was younger, I had done a little bit of karate training at our community center in my hometown. Uh, and so I was like, well, maybe they have got a karate club somewhere. And it turns out that JD had just started uh, this club, the Shotokan club. And so I got in on that pretty early, um, found a new social outlet. Uh, it turned out to be a lot of fun. So I stuck with it and uh, was with that club for the rest of my college career. So that's how I came to, to train martial arts in college. Wow. Um, a lot of times <laughs> it's the camaraderie in martial arts that, that draws us in too. Yeah, for uh, sure. Gabby, so what about you? Um, so I had always been interested, but had never had the opportunity um, to train in martial arts. Um, and I always had this desire to be able to defend myself because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to feel like I was strong and like I, I could take care of myself if I needed to. Um, so when I got to college, um, I didn't start training until probably the end of my freshman year. Um, I went to a self-defense seminar 
I met some of the team members there and I ran into them at a couple different events on campus after that and they eventually convinced me to join. Um, and I, I made it to a training and I immediately fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> I love the challenge. Yeah, I love the kata and the different striking and blocking techniques um, pulled me in and kept me engaged and still do to me. Um, I have to say that I have Sensei Swanson. Um, he played a major role in why I continued to train as his teaching style is quite mm-hmm. unique and engaging. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd have to say he definitely had a major part. Um, and as a woman in karate, it can sometimes be intimidating. Yeah. Uh, being one of the few women in the dojo. Um, however, my team at Salve was quite the opposite. Um, our team was primarily composed of women, and uh, Sensei Swanson was excellent at instructing us and encouraging us to think critically about our training, as well as to put everything we had into our learning. Um, he did a great job with creating a safe space for women in the collegiate and karate world, uh, which allowed us to thrive and feel empowered in and out of the dojo. Okay, that's awesome. And I think what we'll do here, because I didn't actually write that into some of my questions that I was thinking about, but I think we'll do a quick um, little segment about Sensei Swanson after we get through this um, first discussion about why training in, in college. So I'm sure he had a lot to do with that. And we'll maybe talk about him for a few minutes too. So Cameron, what are your uh, thoughts on why you decided to train martial arts in college? Yeah, so for me, it was really a no-brainer. I had been training in Taekwondo my entire childhood and adolescence, so it was already a big part of my identity. Um, I actually remember being nervous about going off to college and there being a possibility of them not having a Taekwondo Hmm. club. But, uh, you know, soon after I got to school, I was told that there was a Shotokan Karate Club. I'd never heard of the style before that time, but I figured, you know, hey, it's a style of martial arts and a type of movement. So I just decided to give it a go. And uh, after my first week with the club, which took all of about two trainings, I was all in. Yeah. In so many ways, it was similar to what I had known for so many years, just in terms of basic movement. But in lots of other ways, it was different. And I think a big part of that absolutely attributes to Sensei Swanson himself and how he specifically teaches, like Gabby was talking about. Um, When I began training with him, my brain started to critically think about what I was doing and why I was moving certain ways versus others. And I was just hooked on this whole new complex way of moving my body. And I was, you know, just so pleased that I had found a way to keep my relationship with the martial arts active. Um, I, I was a social work major at Salve, which was its own separate challenge in itself. Um, They were some of the hardest and busiest years of my life, you know, between managing a full class load Um, direct practice internships and trying to stay active in clubs. So case in point, training was a necessity and a priority in my mind because it was just a soft place to land amidst a really busy day-to-day schedule. Yeah. It it really helps too with the stress and and you need that outlet as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay. Awesome. And Marissa, what, what about you? Yeah, so for me, in high school, I wasn't really involved in any extracurriculars, and I wanted college to be different. I wanted to be involved in more than just my classes, and I wanted to try new things. So when I passed the karate table at Club Rush my freshman year, you know, it looked interesting, and like Gabby, I had always had an interest in martial arts, and I just never tried it. So I joined it on a whim, and it was interesting enough to keep me, you know, going to trainings. And at first... A lot of why I stayed was because I had always been an athlete, and so I wanted to stay physically active in college, too. 
Um, but I ended up falling in love with all parts of karate. I loved the challenge of learning new techniques and improving the techniques that I already learned. And I loved the dynamic of the team. I loved the way that Sensei Swanson taught, you know, it kept us all engaged. Um, and similar to what Gabby said as well, I always wanted to be able to feel comfortable defending myself as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, while Shotokan karate is not necessarily geared towards self-defense, you can still apply a lot of the techniques towards self-defense if you have to. And so I definitely feel more comfortable now as a woman knowing these techniques. And, you know, college is a time where you can really form your identity. And so I loved being able to make karate a part of my identity, especially as a woman. Yeah, that's very interesting because a lot of women shy away from martial arts because they're mm-hmm. not sure what they're all about. But um, to to learn it in your college years is really a special time in your life where you are forming a lot of your own uh, self-direction and your own opinions. So everyone has mentioned Sensei Swanson, and actually he was <laughs> he was uh, very key in me inviting all of you to this program. He felt that it would be a great uh, share to have some students, martial arts students, karate students who have done this through their collegiate years. And everybody's already talked so highly about him. So maybe who would like to um, tell me a little bit about Sensei Swanson? Because I don't know him personally. And you've uh, mentioned that he has really a specific way of teaching um, and created a safe space for all of you. So um, which one of you would like to maybe tell me a little bit more about Sensei Swanson? (laughs) anyone (laughs) what if I just call out a name Uh, sure um, I guess well Cameron I guess maybe you can I'll pick you Uh, Dr. Swanson um, JD Swanson comes from New Zealand originally that's where he was born Um, he came over 20 years ago to the United States Um, he formed a collegiate club at Penn State like Andy mentioned where she met him Um, has been involved in collegiate karate ever since. Um, He's a biologist and I believe a geneticist as well. Um, More recently, he was called away to serve the the country as a part of the National Science Foundation and doing good work in Washington, D.C. You know, I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, Gabby and I were asked to step up actually to be co-interim instructors for the club while he was away. Mm -hmm. But in terms of his teaching... um, It's so specific, I think, because he really goes into detail and he talks a lot about your biomechanics. He really helps you understand why your body is moving a certain way. What are the correct biomechanics? It's it's very specific. Um, Like I mentioned before, when I was training in Taekwondo, there wasn't a huge focus on the why, um, you know, which is fine. I think that's really common in martial arts. Mm -hmm. People do their techniques. They do their kata. They do their kumite. And for me, listening to Dr. Swanson teach was just a a whole new perspective for me. I just really was fascinated and taken by all the details and the biomechanics of the body. And so I think because of that, I now have a better understanding of my body mm-hmm. and how to take care of it since I already had some knee injuries before joining, you know, Shotokan Karate. So um, the way he teaches, as soon as you take a class with him or take a training with him, you'll know exactly what I mean. But yeah. Um, very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Marissa, how would you, and I know this is a little off 
our scheduled topic, but how would you describe Sensei Swanson's personality, his demeanor? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good question. Um, <laughs> he's, he's certainly uh, a unique guy, but not not in a bad way. He's he's really just got a funny personality. Like if you, he likes to he likes to put his humor into his trainings, which is part of why. Um, it's really easy for us to stay engaged in his trainings because he will say like the weirdest, most random things that are <laughs> applicable and somehow make sense, but like also really funny. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, at first, a lot of people who will first, you know, join a club with him or take a training with him might be intimidated by him because, you know, he's a great instructor. A lot of people know, know of him. Mm -hmm. um but honestly he's just a nice funny guy like should not be intimidated (laughs) (laughs) good to know no he seems super nice I don't know him personally so I want to I'm sure I'll have the opportunity to talk to him a little bit more and get to know him better but I could tell there was you know definitely a a genuine personality there absolutely yeah So just to move back to the college years, and I wanted to just hear a little bit about what major you were all, and some of you have a master's degree, but what majors you chose um, and why you selected those, just briefly um, where you're headed with that. So Andy, what what was your major and um, why did you choose that? (laughs) I have a BA in philosophy with minors in women's studies and Asian studies. And I was never one of those kids who, who knew always exactly what I wanted to be. And was like, was like laser focused at getting there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know these people. So, so for me, like getting, getting to that particular major was a little bit of a a circuitous route. So uh, when I did finally find philosophy, it was, it was because I was turned on to, um, you know, thinking thinking about life and thinking about mm-hmm. uh, things in general in a in a super critical way that I had never I had never really under, understood before or even been introduced to. Um, so that was that was my introduction to philosophy. Um, with uh, my master's degree, uh, I have a master's of theological studies in East Asian Buddhism as well. Um, I got turned on to. Uh, East Asian religions later in my in my college career, and then thought, hey, well, I've got I've got this philosophy degree, and I've got a real interest in religion, so I think I'm going to go get a master's and eventually a PhD and uh, teach undergraduates philosophy and religion. And uh, I went to Harvard Divinity School to to get that MTS degree, and I was there for a couple of months, and then I realized this this is not the life for me. I am not going to thrive trying to be a professor and teach because there's so much pressure to publish. There's so much, oh man, there's just, it just looks like there's just so much stress that comes with that career and uh, things that people aren't really talking about on the front end. And so once I got into grad school, I was like, "Mm, no, not going to do that. And so then I had a, a, a career change that, that had to, had to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Career path rather right. needed to happen. So uh, that's where I, that's where I got with, uh, with those particular yeah. degrees. But that's um, cool. 
yeah, I really, I really appreciate what philosophy lends to like my life as a whole, though, being able to think critically about things mm -hmm. in, in ways that, again, you, you just don't often think about. And in this world today where things are, things are a little bit strange, I think it's always nice to be able to approach things uh, from a, a more critical perspective, be able to, right. to think reasonably, logically about, about matters at hand. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for sharing that. Mm. It's very interesting. Um, Gabby, how about you? What was your um, college major and selection there? Um, so on the opposite end of Andy's experience, I was actually someone who had always known what I wanted. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I know one person now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I was a dual major in elementary education and special education at Savoy Regina University in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, as a kid, I had always wanted to be a teacher. Um, I would play school with my cousins and my siblings. Um, my grandmother would watch anywhere from 10 to 12 of us throughout the summer. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had my own uh, classroom there. Yeah. Um, and as I got older, I spent more time studying with friends and realized I had a true passion for helping others. Um, and I really lived for those moments where my friends or even my students um, would experience those aha moments when something finally clicked and made sense to them. And uh, that's pretty much what's driven me thus far. And mm -hmm. here I am. <laughs> I'm a teacher now. Excellent. So, that's yeah. wonderful. I'm really happy your dream came true with that. That's great that you worked for that. <laughs> You're you. welcome. Cameron, how about you? Sure. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, I graduated with a bachelor's of science in social work from Save Regina. Even though I never said, you know, I want to be a social worker when mm -hmm. I was five, I had always known that I wanted to do something that allowed me direct access to people. Um, I had always consistently been involved in some type of community service or leadership role growing up, whether it was a Taekwondo instructor or just volunteering around the community. Mm -hmm. But what attracted me to social work wasn't only about providing assistance, but it was also about the variety of settings that I could work in. You know, social workers are in more places than I think a lot of people realize. We don't just work for the state. We're kind of everywhere. Yeah. Um, we do lots of, lots of individual work, one-on-one, -on -one, as well as trauma work, policy work, all that good stuff. But uh, anyways, when I was a little girl, I was super timid and shy. I was a people pleaser, and I never said no to anybody. And it took me a really long time to find my voice and become confident enough to use it, which is why I fell in love with social work, because it allows me to utilize my privileges and my mm -hmm. platform in a really productive way. But yeah. what helped me to kind of establish that sense of self was actually my early experiences in martial arts. You know, as I mentioned, I started training when I was seven. And at the time, hardly any females stuck around long enough to earn the rank of Shodan. Yeah. Um, in Taekwondo, it typically takes a little bit longer to earn color Q ranks than it does in Shotokan. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty small as a person. I'm only 5'2 now. So you can imagine my size at age seven. Yeah. <laughs> totally surrounded by older boys who were just bigger and physically stronger than I was. And so I, I had to work twice as hard just to be taken seriously amongst them. But I, I will say that I did develop this attitude of, well, watch me then whenever my male peers uh -huh. at school would tease me about practicing a boy's sport or told me that I'd never actually earn a black belt just because I was too fragile. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, those same attitudes are present today in some of the men that I've trained with um, while getting to travel around, but certainly not all. Um, thankfully, my instructors made me feel part of the rule rather than the exception from an early age. 
And it really wasn't until college that a majority of the individuals training with me were females. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, even still, those early incidences of gender bias and sexism made me want to lift other people up who felt kept down for whatever reason, which absolutely gravitated me towards pursuing a helping profession. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of interesting to hear your perspective on gender in, mm-hmm. the, in the dojo, because I started martial arts in 1989. Mm-hmm. And back then, it was really different. There weren't a lot of women at all practicing. Sure, yeah. Um, I think there was, I think I had maybe one or two uh, black, uh, black belt women instructors, but everybody else was male. And um, Although it was a really great time, I really had wished back then there were more women involved. And part of my mission in doing these podcasts and my blog and my books and all the things that I do is really to um, get the woman's voice out there or women who practice martial arts to let people know that all kinds of people practice, not just men. There's a lot of um, social media that's a lot of male dominated kind of information. So it's it's a good way to hear insights, especially from your age group. On sure, that. absolutely. So thanks. Um, so Marissa, I think we haven't gotten to you yet on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, what do you have to um, say about your, your college experience and your major and why you selected that? Yeah, so I just graduated this past year from Salve Regina. Um, I was a double major. I majored in psychology and Spanish. I started with just psychology. Uh, I had always known that I wanted to help people but wasn't quite sure in what capacity until I was a senior in high school and we got a mental health counselor at our school and I started seeing her and I realized the impact that she was able to have in a lot of students' lives. And I realized that that was the type of positive impact that I wanted to be able to have for others. So uh, I went with psychology to begin my path into the mental health field. And I chose Spanish as a second major because uh, there are a lot of benefits to knowing more than one language. And I'd always had a great education in terms of the Spanish language before college, which helped me, um, especially in high school, during which I worked with uh, Latinx middle schoolers. And I saw the discrepancies in services for the Latinx community. And so by my knowing Spanish, um, I'll be able to better serve people in the Latinx community in the mental health field. Mm-hmm. And this upcoming year, I'm going to be starting my master's program at Boston College for social work, and I'm continuing in the path for the mental health field and as well as the Latinx community. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. You, you are all are doing such amazing things and learning um, so many amazing uh, life lessons and different topics in both your college studies and in your martial arts. So that's truly awesome. Um, and I know I sent a lot of questions. I'm not sure how far we're going to actually get through all those, but because the next set of questions might <clears throat> might take a, take a bit of time, because we I want to really talk about how your collegiate karate formed or shaped your college years or your post college years and your life, and that might take a, up a little bit of time. But um, hopefully, you've had a chance to think about it. And um, Andy, would you like to share? in college and you you're forging these these friendships and these bonds with people around you I think there's something to be taken from that that you can kind of carry forward and especially when you're in a collegiate karate club like I don't know about the rest of you but when 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 I was in that club and I was so committed to that club like that became 
that became such a big part of, of my life at Penn State. Um, it's, it's easy to say that I, I spent the majority of my time outside of class, probably not studying, but rather you mm-hmm. know, training and, and being with those people in, in, in the club. And so by the time you graduate, you've got this really like thick, uh, thick friends circle from, from that club. So you, you sort of know what you want in your relationships moving forward. You know what it's, you know what it's like, what it tastes like to, to be um, really developing those bonds with, with people around you. So you want to, you want to move that forward. So I think in a more general way, you sort of carry forward that, that, that spirit and that, that discipline of like a wanting to wanting to find like-minded individuals to, to connect with in, in your life as you move forward, both in your professional career and your personal life. But you want to, you want to be able to sort of implement, um, for instance, like the dojo kun in, in your everyday as well. I mean, it's the thing you, it's the thing you end all your trainings with, you know, um, the seek perfection of character, the, the be faithful, the endeavor, mm-hmm. all of, all of these things as you're moving forward in your life, as you begin, begin to grow up and start your career and develop in that role, like you really want to be able to, to use these lessons that you've learned with your, your, in our, in my case, our collegiate karate and take those and, 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 and apply those lessons to, to the rest of your life. And so that felt very natural, sort of taking, taking what I'd learned from, from karate during the college years and, and applying it as I move forward. But then there's also sort of like this little, this, this more literal sense of, of the persons that you see on, on the daily and the persons that you were in contact with during, during your, your college uh, karate life, you, you see those people forever. Like I, we see a lot of the same ISKF people mm-hmm. at camps, at events, at clinics, exams, et cetera. You see these people. So this is, by and large, like your larger extended family. So I think there is that literal aspect that comes with this as well. As you're, as you're moving forward in your life, you're seeing these same people. You're, st- you're developing those relations, relationships as you're, as you're moving along in life. And it's, I, I don't know that there's much more to say other than, taking the dojo kun, applying it to life, seeing yeah. others applying it to their lives as well as, mm-hmm. as they move forward. And it, it always seems to hark back to the dojo kun. It's not just about what happens on the tatami, you know, it's, it's what happens in the day to day. Yeah. Do you feel like it brought a sense of sort of focus and perseverance into your life for the, for the long haul? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. again, you know, like taking, taking the seek perfection of character and, and trying to apply that on the daily to what you're doing in your mm-hmm. career to, uh, in my case, uh, I'm a carpenter by trade, mm-hmm. um, applying, applying that particular piece of the dojo kun to, to my craft, to trying to, um, produce something that is as close to, um, a perfect installation as possible. That's something I do every day it's something i've been fighting with for the past month trying to close out this project (laughs) but it's you know just wanting wanting to put put forward my my very best into the world yeah taking the values that i've learned from from karate which began at penn state and putting putting that side of myself developing that side of myself and really having something to give back to 
to the larger whole. Yeah. Very, very interesting and very true. It, it does carry through in your life. And so I think starting in your collegiate years is a great time to bring that forward. Mm. Um, Gabby, how did collegiate karate form or shape your college or post-college years and, and your life? Um, so training in karate during my college years, uh, made my experience at Salve so much more than what I thought it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, it provided me with a safe haven where I was able to leave all my troubles at the door as I bowed into the dojo. And for those two hours of training, all I had to worry about was karate. Um, it provided me with a constant motivation to get my work done so I could make training and not feel guilty about being yeah. at training. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it helped keep me healthy, um, and energized. Um, and I was also fortunate enough to make incredible friends along the way. Some of us have graduated, some of us are still in school, but, uh, we continue to support each other, not only in karate, but in our academic, professional mm -hmm. and personal endeavors. Um, martial arts opened up doors I didn't even know were there, um, such as traveling to different states for ISKF events, um, whether they were regional or national tournaments, clinics, camps, um, getting the opportunity to train internationally when I studied abroad briefly. Um, and then I've also been able to meet incredible karateka, um, who I look up to and aspire to be like, um, <laughs> In my post-college career, I've had the opportunity to continue my training and instructing at Salve Regina and at Brown University. Um, I've also had the chance to start a club at the elementary school I was teaching at this year. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to finish our session due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but I am looking forward to establishing a club at my new school once it's safe to do so. Um, martial arts... <laughs> Martial arts taught me how to be passionate about something and to never give up, uh, even when things get hard. And I've been able to apply this in my day-to-day -day life. Um, I learned that it's possible to begin training for the first time as a young adult. Um, in fact, like I said before, the majority of my team at Salve began training um, as first-year college students. And I learned that it was possible for women to be powerhouses in martial arts. Um, and, you know, we constantly strive to seek perfection of character and attempt to live up to the standards we hold ourselves to in the dojo. As women practicing in karate, we feel an added pressure uh, to prove ourselves so we can earn the same respect as a male karateka in the dojo. Um, and so martial arts has truly empowered me and helped me empower others as well, whether that's in the dojo or in my professional or personal life. Yeah, that's great. Um, it's so true. And I think it's great for people to hear why martial arts are so important and how these college years, martial arts are different in the college years because of some of the training that you talked about and some of the travel that you got to do. And mm -hmm. um, so it was, I'm sure, a great learning experience. Do you, do you think martial arts also helped you focus on things like your grades or, you know, your actual schoolwork when you were in college? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that martial arts had a had an impact on my academics. Um, mm -hmm. Like I mentioned before, I because I always wanted to make training, um, I would work really hard to get my work done. Um, but I've also always been a strong student, so I didn't want to let karate take over my academics either. So it helped me find a balance between mm -hmm. um, those two things, my academics and martial arts, which were two very important um, aspects of my life yeah. at the time. So 
Yeah. Good. Um, okay, Cameron, tell us a little sure. bit about your collegiate karate, how it formed or shaped your college years or your life. And Well, it, it definitely has. I mean, I moved on from Salve to grad school for my master's degree in social work. And I really connected with the process of experiencing empowerment through fostering it in others. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was really important to understand and internalize that my job wasn't going to be fixing problems or saving people from themselves. You know, my job is actually to facilitate the growth and change process in people who seek to empower themselves. So in that way, I live the dojo-kun outside of the dojo every day at work by seeking that perfection of character like Andy was explaining. Mm-hmm. So... In my line of work, I'm really just the provider of tools and information. You know, my clients do the change work, which is really the amazing part to witness. And it's the exact same with karate. You know, I've trained with some of the best Shotokan instructors in the world. But at the end of the day, I'm the one applying their lessons and making the changes to my training. So from that standpoint, it's really neat to see my two worlds kind of collide in that way. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of training in college, I was a little bit of a maniac at one point. I know, I know Gabby can, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody knows what I'm talking about, but I know Gabby can attest to this as well. But during our junior year, I believe we trained a ton. I mean, Gabby touched on traveling to compete and train with other people, but even just locally, we would put in up to 40 to 50 hours a month on the floor between training in Newport and with the Brown University Club in Providence. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually trained so much that we were able to sit showdown a full year before we had originally anticipated, which was a really neat experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, since then, there have been periods of time where I couldn't train as frequently as that. Um, like when I went to grad school, and was a full-time student, but I still tried to be as consistent as possible. Yeah. And I think the, the real key for me is quality versus quantity. You know, I never wanted my training to feel like a chore or an obligation. So I make sure that when I do train, that it's meaningful and intentional, you know, especially mm-hmm. now that I'm, I'm out of school for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future and beginning to really mold my career. I want to be able to train for myself, you know, just yeah. like any relationship. Yeah. I kind of try to view karate as a journey rather than a series of achievements. Mm-hmm. You know, it's martial arts has already been a part of my life for what, 17 years now. Yeah. And so it's as much a part of who I am as the hair in my head is, you know, and right. as right. I touched on before, mm-hmm. since, since college and Sensei Swanson's instruction, I do have that sense of bodily awareness and the understanding of how to care for my knees and my, my injuries while training so that I can do this long-term, yeah. which is really important to me. Very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a word um, a couple of times and that was facilitate and mm-hmm. whether in your career or in martial arts, I think that's something as martial artists, we all do without always recognizing it because we're, we sure. are role models. Martial artists really are role models, whether you're in mm-hmm. college or any year. And we really help facilitate change in the world because of what we're doing and because of being that role model. So I think that's, that's a great word. Uh, and it's, it's very true in what we do as martial artists as well. Absolutely. So Marissa, um, yes. Let's, let's move on to you and, and hear some of your thoughts about collegiate karate and how it formed or shaped your uh, college or years or your life. Yeah, karate was a big part in shaping a lot of my college experience in a really great way. Um, so one thing, it was really reliable and dependable for me. So after you know a hard or stressful day, I could always rely on karate training. I could always rely on karate being there. 
where I could go to spend a couple of hours just to de-stress and focus on karate and body movement uh, instead of, you know, whatever was stressing me out that day. So it was a great, it was great for my mental health in that way. And it helped me keep balance in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, something else is that the karate team became like a family for me. Um, like Gabby mentioned, karate and my team became like a safe haven for me. And a lot of my teammates are some of my best friends now. And these friendships are going to last a lifetime. We became an amazing support system for each other, both in the dojo and out of the dojo. And aside from immediate team team members, I was able to meet and make connections with a lot of new people from across the country um, through the opportunities to go to a lot of tournaments and events where I could meet wonderful karateka. And now I can call some of them my friends. And through these events, I also gained a number of female role models. Mm -hmm. So especially in a male-dominated sport, seeing such amazing strong women has been really inspiring for me yeah and you know karate really affected my life in college through my confidence levels right so it in order to do well in karate you need to have you need to at least pretend to have confidence in yourself and your abilities right like when you go into the ring you need to at least pretend to be confident in your kata and your sparring (laughs) <laughs> so I certainly <laughs> got to at least fake it, you know, if, yes. if it's not real, you got to at least fake it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so I definitely gained a level of confidence that I didn't have before, which I ended up taking with me outside of the dojo. And it allowed me to become more confident, both just like as a person, but as a woman too. Mm-hmm. And the confidence that I gained also extended to my leadership abilities. So there was a short time that I was also interim instructor at the Salve Club. And I was really able to grow in my leadership position there. I was really nervous at first because I'd never really taught anything before. I certainly never taught karate. Um, I never really led a group like that. So I was really nervous at first, but I was able to improve upon a lot of my abilities in that leadership role mm-hmm. um, that were necessary to successfully instruct and lead the team. And the skills that I gained there are, gonna, are skills that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I think that's so awesome to be able to carry that through, through in your life. And also, you know, you've all, many of you have mentioned the fact that it's a male dominated sport. And honestly, I was, I was curious if that would come up. I know back, like I said, back in my day, and I still train and I taught for many years. I was still curious though, to see if it was still kind of categorized as that today. So that's kind of an interesting, um, point for me I I recognize that there are still more men in in karate and in martial arts but um wasn't sure if it would still be categorized as as a male-dominated sport still so it's interesting um okay Mm -hmm. we're going to move on to some of the other questions and what I did for time's sake was pick one of the one question out of each of the group of questions that I had sent out so and I'm going to start with Andy. And I like this question because it's a little different. Um, I understand that you're a musician. And I find that a lot of martial artists are musicians. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if what you think that connection is between martial arts and music, or if you do make a connection with that. Uh, it's hard to say. Um, hmm. You know, I, 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 I saw this question and I, I had to think about it actually for a minute. Um, and you probably thought, I hope she doesn't ask that one. <laughs> I had a feeling this was the one that might come up. Um, I guess my take on it is that like, like fine arts, 
there is there is a creativity to martial arts training. Um, when you when you learn kata, when you learn how to how to fight with kumite, you're taught fundamentals, but to really be able to apply them, there is this there's this aspect of um, improvisation, if you will, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or um, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what the other word would be. Um, creativity. Um, there's well, an I element. Think it, yeah, you hit a couple. Of, you hit a couple of points there that I think makes sense. One is that it's based on fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Really, to to be a, a good musician, you need to understand the fundamentals. And the same with martial arts. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I think I think so. Uh, yeah, and the large. I think the larger the larger bit of that is is that in order to in order to be able to to get to that point where you are uh implementing this creative flow you have to be attentive to all the all the details so whether you're like in a jam session you have to know what key you're in you have to know the general progression of of the song you have to kind of know um where the twists and turns are um there's gonna be a key change if there's gonna be uh you know like a a solo break, etc. You have to pay attention to those things as you're moving forward. Likewise, with with karate training, you have to know that everyone's not always going to be stepping back in on Brian coming at you with a straight shoot on punch. Like mm-hmm. that's not that's not that's <laughs> not generally how how it works. But we train that so that we are aware and so that we know how to uh, make those those ukes work work for us. How how those blocks function. How the counters how the counters can follow up from the block. Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to the real, the real meat of karate training, the self-defense portion, or in competition karate, uh, when you get on the mat and you're, you're actually fighting and sort of playing, playing the game with other persons, it will feel intuitive. It will feel um, mm-hmm. responsive, not reactive, you know, in, 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 a, in a positive way. So, you're always basing basing what you do on those fundamentals. Yeah. Um, for for creativity's sake, I think it's I, I I've sort of gotten away from from music a little bit more than oh, okay. than, than than I might have wanted to. But when I do when I do sit down and play with it, it always seems to be I'm I'm basing what I know on on the fundamentals of, of music theory and, and the background that I have with, with music. Yeah. And again, yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, whether it's a martial art or a fine art, I think those things parallel one another as you, as you sort of develop that skill set. you, you know what you know, and then you have to, you have to be able to change on the fly as you move forward. So, so thank you. Thanks for dabbling in that with me. Sure. Um, <laughs> so Gabby, I'm going to ask you the question about teaching karate and because Teaching is not easy, and it's a lot different than practicing karate. Or, what is the most difficult part of teaching others? But what is the most rewarding? Um. So, <laughs> uh, Cameron can probably attest to this as well. Um. But we, I found it difficult. Um. To train for myself. Uh. And work on my karate, because I was running the club with Cameron during our senior year at Salve. Uh, we were brand new shodans at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. We had only had our we had only had our shodan for maybe a few months. Yeah. Um, 
and we we still wanted to continue our training. You know, as Cameron mentioned, during our junior year, we had a we had a strong uh, run of just training for hours on end. Um, so it was definitely a big adjustment um, going from training, you know, 40, 50 hours a month to to now teaching. Um, so I think it was definitely difficult to navigate initially um, because we had a handful of new white belts at the time, as well as several intermediately ranked students. Um, however, I think that teaching karate taught me how to prioritize my teaching and training responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that because I had the opportunity to teach karate, it not only improved my karate, but allowed me to think, um, it allowed me to think deeply and critically about my karate as well. And I think it's definitely um, reflected in my teaching um, in, in the dojo. Yeah. Um, so, so what's what's rewarding about teaching? Um, when when we're talking maybe one-on-one, like you're actually teaching students, is it how they respond or how they improve or your relationship with them? Um, so I'd have to say, if you know, if we're talking specifically about a one-on-one um, instance, I, I would say, you know, having the opportunity to watch my students grow mm-hmm. um, in the dojo, you know, especially when you're a white belt, you, you walk in for the first time with very minimal experience. Um, and it's basically like you're trying to learn how to use your arms and legs all over again. Yeah. Um, and just through the course of a semester working with those students, you see them grow significantly, um, you know, develop their coordination in a karate sense. Um, and I, I have to say it's been truly rewarding um, just watching my students prepare for their exams and putting literal blood, sweat and tears into their training and watching them hold their own against other karateka during um, whether it's during training or at events. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, having, having that helping hand, um, and, and seeing them, you know, develop a passion for karate, um, and one that they, they've been able to share with their other teammates as well. Um, and I think that that alone has been the most rewarding part of, of teaching. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cameron, I guess we'll talk a little bit about the East Coast women's team. You were selected to try out for this team. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is this particular experience important to you? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I was asked by ISKF to try out for the women's team a few years ago now, uh, two or three years ago. I can't remember, but it was recent. It was very humbling, but also, you know, slightly terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I went to fall camp that year. ISKF was a fall camp every year. Um, and I competed in what's called a Shi'ai, which is basically a round robin style type of fighting. So not only do the competitors have to be physically fit enough to, in order to make it through the consecutive rounds of Kumite, mm-hmm. but they also have to stay mentally sharp and focused. So for me, that experience was so formative because of the mental game that it posed. You know, it forced me to be mindful and present and to Mm -hmm. even use some of the social work skills that I have to challenge the negative thoughts and anxieties that really tested my confidence. You know, um, I didn't end up making the team in the end, which was okay. But what was important to me was the experience itself and the fact that I was even selected to try out. You know, I learned I learned where to focus my improvements in Kumite and I received some really great feedback from the women in the Shi'ai with me and also from those who were much higher ranked than me 
watching it. So that was a really, really neat experience to, yeah. to go through. That's super exciting. And, and like you said, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the experience. A lot of times it's the journey that's Absolutely. most important in, in how you grow and how you learn. So mm -hmm. I think that's really awesome. Uh, and Marissa, um, yeah. I, apparently you had a semester abroad in Spain and you, and you trained there. Mm -hmm. How was that different from here in the States or was there a difference? Um, are you referring specifically to the training or yeah. the culture in general? The training? Um, okay. The training. Yeah. Your training in Spain. Was it any yeah. different or was it, you know, karate's karate or what was the experience like? Yeah, it was very interesting. And I didn't, I only trained, you know, once or twice. I didn't do it on a regular basis mm -hmm. so that I could experience the culture to a fuller extent. Um, one thing I will say about the culture that I felt like related to my experience training was that they, they have such a more relaxed culture, you know, like over here in the States, we're just, we're constantly in a rush. We're constantly, you know, feeling pressure, whether we're doing something or going somewhere, it's just like, you got to constantly be doing something, got to do it fast. Um, over there, it's just like, nice and slow pace, very mm -hmm. relaxed, you know, siesta time in the afternoon. It's just, it's very, just a very relaxed environment. And so when I was um, at a training there, we focused mainly on kata during the class. And so we split up into groups doing different kata. And at the end, you went up with your group and you did your kata. So I went up with um, this guy that did Gion. So we both did Gion. And mm -hmm. And anyone who knows me in my karate knows that I tend to rush a little bit. And so I really, I just, I very vividly remember focusing on my timing doing Gion because I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to make a fool of myself. So I'm going <laughs> to slow down. I'm going to do, I'm going to do Gion with good timing. And, you know, I was feeling really good about it. And then I finished and realized that this guy had so many more movements to go like I already finished so, so much quicker than I am like, even though I felt like I was going slow I was going at a good pace I still finished so much sooner than him yeah. and when he finished his sensei you know made a comment to him about him going too fast and he said well you know I was trying to keep up with her and and he was like no no just focus on you don't keep up you know don't focus yeah. on her and I'm I'm just standing there like oh my gosh I tried not to make a fool of myself but I don't That's know. Funny. So it was very, it was interesting that our paces were very different. Um, another thing that was interesting, and I don't know if this was just because this was a, a more informal class or, you know, I don't know what it was, but um, about 15 minutes into the class, two of the girls in the club went up to the sensei and asked for a water break. And he was like, yeah, fine, go ahead. And so they went, I don't remember them bowing out. And it was just such a weird moment for me because we don't, you know, in our trainings, we don't, first of all, we don't ask for a water break. If we're given one, great. If not, too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so the fact that they asked for one was interesting. The fact that they asked for one, you know, 15 minutes into training was even more interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then the fact that they didn't bow out was just like mind boggling to me. I was like, what, what is going on here? Like, this would not happen in my dojo. Like, this, this is so bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. um, it was very interesting in terms of trying to follow along because while I was, you know, relatively fluent in Spanish, I'm not fluent in karate Spanish, right? Yeah, like that is yeah. a very specific set of vocabulary that I'm not familiar with. So 
I definitely relied on, you know, knowing the Japanese terms and just being able to follow along with body movements to be able to understand what we were going to be doing next in class and things like that. And it was very interesting to see what was prioritized in terms of um, improvement and criticism for technique, right? So there were a couple moments where I'd see someone, like, for, for example, in back stance and their hip would be out. And so my first thought is, okay, you need to get your hip in. Um, but their sensei would focus on a different piece of, of their mm-hmm. technique to, yeah. to criticize. And so, and, you know, it's not necessarily bad just because it's mm-hmm. different. Right. So yeah. it's really interesting to see the different ways that, that they were teaching karate and the different things that they were prioritizing. And again, um, like even their kata had a few different moves and just cause it was different doesn't mean it was wrong. So it was really interesting for me to kind of think outside of what I learned and try to put myself into into their headspace yeah. to see how they were learning. Yeah, very interesting. And I think even even within karate or martial arts, you'll see a different focus and say mm-hmm. focus on different things that are important to them and timing can be different. So yeah, that's that's very interesting and a and a funny story. So <laughs> thanks for sharing. <laughs> Well, we are really coming to the end of our time, and I want to really thank all of you for sharing your insights, also for hanging in there with me this morning with our technical difficulties, but (laughs) here we are, we did it, and that's just part of karate and martial arts, right, is perseverance, and I don't give up easily, so uh, (laughs) I think it worked out well, and your insights and inspiration and stories are, are so great, and I can't wait to share them with the world, so thank you. And have a wonderful day. Let me know if you need anything. And uh, I'm always around. So say hi when you have a chance. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you so much.